on tour this week. Welcome to Hound Pod. to record in the living room of English Down. Hello and welcome. I'm pretty happy to be back on the pod, I think. This is my first appearance of the season, so I hope I'm not too rusty. Yeah, Dan's been, been avoiding us. Um, You've been avoiding me, I've put, put up myself up every Tuesday, but, but deny um, that. We've decided to actually record on Tuesday this week, so we're... Danes to record on a Tuesday. And we are also joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello. Uh, we, we, I think he, he was expecting us to be here, to, to come to his living room. That's why he was like, no, well, I can't. Well, no, it's not, not available now. Tomorrow I can and my living room is available. Well, okay. I do things on my own terms, you know. I'm, I'm a bit of a diva. Indeed. Um, let's go through the scores, shall we, from last weekend. First of all, they were as follows in the Primera. Quilmes 2, Olimpo 1. Godoy Cruz 2, Union de Santa Fe 1. Uh, Rosario Central, turns out they're not rubbish after all anymore, or they got fed up with being rubbish mm-hmm. than they were before. Um, Rosario Central 5, Arsenal de Sarandí 0. Aldo City 2, Tacheres de Córdoba 1. Tempele 0, Newell's Old Boys 0. Racing 2, Patronato de Paraná 0. River Plate 3, Vélez Sarsfield 0. San Lorenzo 2, Atlético de Rafaela 1, Belgrano 1, Lanús 1, Gimnasia 0, Estudiantes 0 in the threading La Plata Clásico, Banfield 3, San Martín de San Juan 2, Sarmiento 0, Independiente 1, Colón de Santa Fe 1, Defensa Justicia 0, Tigre 1, Boca Juniors 1, and Atlético Tucumán 0, Huracán 2 in the debut in um, as Huracan manager of Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. Who had quite an interesting uh, first game. I don't know if you heard about it. I did not. No, I was so, uh, in the pub. Uh, no, and more, not so much about the game. I didn't see the game. I don't think many people probably did, apart from Huracan fans. But uh, Caruso, fans. Caruso, I believe, has a slight fear of flying. So when he, do, when he doesn't have to fly, he tries to avoid it. So... He went back. He went to Tucumán um, by coach, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is about fifteen hours. It's a trip I've done I think, quite I think, a few times. Yeah, I think it will be easy for him because uh, he he himself when he was interviewed, mm. uh, I, I read an interview uh, at La Nación that he said that uh, well. What do you want me to do? They always call me when the teams are near relegation positions or zones, and and that they well they has nothing to do with that, yeah. and and when he has no motivation instead of in, in terms of uh, having just to motivate players and to uh, uh, put their uh, self esteem higher and that and mm. and that 
I, I want to see how how uh, how he does yeah. be, be, with it because when he was asked, well, imagine you have a team of good players and you are in a, te- a big team with possibility possibilities to to become champions. How how would that be for you? Mm, yeah. Uh, well. What would you do? I win, win. Everything <laughs> about winning. No, no tactics. No, no, no ways of playing. All, only winning. Well, yeah. no. As I was saying, it seems like he's already made a few friends in the Huracan supporters group because after taking the coach to Atlético Tucumán, watching his team win, all the players went back and playing. He actually managed to get a lift back to Buenos Aires with two Huracan fans in Tucumán. <laughs> Who uh, I think either making their way back to Buenos Aires or he forced them to go back and then they had to drive back to Tucumán. I hope it's not the second because that would be quite strange. But well, this is he's, uh, he's making new friends. Like, luckily he won because otherwise the trip would have been a bit awkward. I reckon. Indeed, with one very early goal. In fact, yeah. thirty seconds in apparently. Imagine fourteen hours in a car with Carlos Lombardi. I don't want to. <laughs> it must be horrific. I would like he must fight you about everything. No, you're not going fast enough. Oh, you're going too fast. I'm gonna take that fucker, I'm gonna take him, I'm gonna take him. Ah, let's stop and get some food. No, no, this is Milanese shit. I'll chuck him out probably in in Cordoba. I'll make it I reckon from Tucumán. That far? It's all right. yeah, it's about six hours I think. Not for nothing that they call you patients of a saint down it. Indeed. Um the big five uh did not all win. Um because Boca drew and Independiente did as well, didn't they? No, Independiente won. Yeah, oh, okay. Fairly fortunately, but with a very nice uh, back heel goal. I think you have. Oh, of course, yeah, you mentioned yeah. something last episode about the how Big Five were their performances, and except Boca, all of the Big Fives are are there in the. Uh, Boca aren't too far away. I think there's six teams grouped in second place, uh, which include four of the Big Five and Boca just behind. Just behind there, three points off. We will go through the standings in a few minutes and see so if that was right or not. But, um, One of the highlights of the week. Uh, let's Andres before recording uh, said he wants uh, Fernando Bellucci in the national team, and he didn't quite make it at the moment. Week, but, um, yeah. Yes, but yeah. he definitely made his case for it uh, with a cracking goal. Oh, Thirteen yeah, seconds in. Wonderful. So let's talk about that first. Yes. Lorenzo against Atletico de Rafaela. 13 seconds. Uh, in 13 seconds, yeah. The second quickest uh, San Lorenzo goal. After, uh-huh. I think so. Wow. After Hector Villalba in 2011. Wow. I read. San Lorenzo looked um, sort of pretty comfortable at first and then... Yeah, second. Not so comfortable. It was a bit like the first leg of the um, Copa Sudamericana tie against... They were like, pretty bad lucky with the... Same, with the uh, discount or descuento, like, like we say here uh, mm-hmm. in, in the, the goal of Atletico Rafaela, because it was Goudinho, I think, the player that hit the ball and, and it uh, hit a San Lorenzo uh, defender, and well, Torrico was helpless. Mm. Yeah, but Bellucci, as Dan says, scored very, very, very early on, and uh, Nicolas Blandi scored yet another goal this season. It's on fire, yeah. Um, yes. After 25 minutes, and as we say, Atletico came back into it in the second half and I don't know whether I'd go so far as to say Atletico really deserved to draw but I mean it, it, we were expecting it to be a hell of a lot more comfortable for San Lorenzo than it was it has to be said um, but the three points are what they got um, It's very common for teams to be rarely comfortable with a 2-0 victory and then to be a bit relaxed uh, well 
Bilal, former uh, national team coach, used to say that 2 0 is the, be- the worst. <laughs> the most dangerous score. Yes. The most dangerous score. Yeah. Um, Independiente, as we say, beat uh, with a, as Andres uh, reminded me, a, a very nice back heel from Diego Vera. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think of the, I'm sure I've seen that goal about seven times from Diego Vera. Whenever I see Diego Vera scores, I imagine it was a close-range back heel that, that outwitted the keeper. Um, did, did either of you watch this or one? Because I had it on the TV, but to be honest... Yeah, it didn't I, I really... I wasn't paying any attention. I was, it didn't really grab my attention. It me so much that yeah. I found it difficult to concentrate after that. No, it didn't seem like a classic, but they're, they're carving out points. Like, mm. Even the games they've drawn, they've, they've come back. I think it was last week, I can't remember who they played, and they were... They went down and they had to fight back, but they got it all the week before. I yeah, so I many matches, it's hard to remember when uh, when all of them take place. I was sorting out an article a couple of days ago and uh, just writing a bit about Tevez. I had to check, you know, he had a three-match suspension and I couldn't work out how many matches had actually passed since that. And I was quite surprised to see it was three because it could have been a game that he'd missed or it could have been five for all I knew, like... Um, it's very hard to keep track of so many Independiente games. had to come back from 1-0 down at home to Tigre last there week we so yeah you're right about yeah. that Dan and they also did draw the previous weekend 1-1 um, away to QMS but on that occasion Tigre were making a habit of oh, looking really really back. bad but getting draws against top uh, big five teams yeah so <laughs> when you said uh, a minute ago that you weren't sure whether it was one week ago or two weeks ago that Independiente had to come back from 1-0 down it was both so you were, so you were right on both occasions well that's um, not that surprising but yeah Independiente unbeaten three wins two draws looking very very solid because those two goals were the only two that they have conceded so far this season um, in the league anyway obviously they, they conceded in the Copa Sudamere oh no they didn't did they because they went no, the two and and draws and, yeah. they are the only two goals that they've conceded this season at all um, and as we say looking very functional albeit perhaps not exciting enough to hold my interest for a couple of hours <laughs> after watching the boredom that was the La Plata game which we will get on to in a minute well I think Sewasha Rodriguez actually got through a whole 90 minutes without getting injured on Sunday which was yeah, pretty I impressive I think there is something <laughs> about the, the 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 way of thinking or feeling of, of uh, supporters Sorry, 71 minutes and then he was well, yeah. Benitez, but you're right he wasn't subbed off but he didn't get injured so carry on Andres. let's go Sewasha no, the, the, the elimination of Copa Sudamericana against Chapecoense. Chapecoense. No, but, no, 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 but the, the way of pronunciation... I, I watched a video on, a, on Globo to research out of the second leg and the Brazilians were pronouncing it Chapecoense. Chapecoense. So the elimination against Chapecoense in the, fin- in the penalty shootouts in Copa Sudamericana, it's still fresh. And, of course, the winning against Sarmiento as a way condition... It's like an, well, an aspirin for the headache, but mm. uh, the elimination means that they will have to wait now 25 rounds after uh, uh, until the, the, the tournament is finished mm. to know if the, whether they are champions or not. Whether when when for Copa Sudamericana they already know that they won't win, mm-hmm. so it's difficult for for. Um, I was of course on Twitter on Twitter the. the time when Independiente uh, missed all the penalties and mm. uh, of course supporters were on fire, were all complaining about Sanchez Minio hitting, uh, uh, being pe- shooting very badly a, 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 a penalty. And like the military police who 
we went in and kicked yes. the shit out. Uh, so we will, it's question of time because of course they are hot now. They are like complaining. Did you guys see uh, Pablo Moyano's words after that game? I don't know. Pablo Moyano is Pablo Moyano is the son of Hugo Moyano and I believe the vice president or one of the directors of Independiente as Hugo is obviously the, uh, the president and he said uh, Independiente deserve an automatic invite now for the Libertadores because they were treated so bad <laughs> poor Pablo um, having talked about Independiente we shall talk about the second biggest club in the Vecchia Leila ha Arsenal indeed uh, no Racing um with apologies to Dan for the what was obviously a joke, um, who got a 2-0 win at home to Patronato. Dan, how does it feel to finally have managed to win a home match? Very good, very good. It was it was quite a decent game. I mean, so far this season, Racing have been playing pretty well on the ride. We've got a 3-0 win against Vélez, although pretty much any team can beat Vélez 3-0 at the moment because they're absolutely dreadful. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2-0 in San Juan against San Martín, which was also a very good result. It's kind of, and these games were kind of typical Zielinski, uh, smash and grab wins. You know, you get your goal early and then you sit back a bit and then you hit them again on the counter and then you've got the, the match pretty much in your, in your hands. Obviously, if you're playing at home, it's kind of a different expectation. You've got to... Uh, be a bit more protagonists, as they say. You've got to push forward. You've got to control the ball. You've got to control the game. You've got to attack. And I thought on Saturday it was yeah. Um, Racing were very good the first 15 minutes. Then they sort of went off the boil a bit, and kind of this typical Racing thing of just starting to belt long balls into into no man's land and not really do much. Obviously, Lisandro. San Lisandro Lopez came up for us with a cracking scissor kick, which was reminiscent of the one he put in for against Independiente, which we'll never forget. Yes. Um, then after that, it was all again everyone back, everyone back, everyone back uh, for pretty much the whole game until the last 15 minutes, which was when Racing finally woke up again and thought, hey. If we're going to win this, we probably should get another goal, right? And then it's straightforward and they got it through. Santiago Rosales, his first goal for the ex Alosibi player. So overall, it was pretty decent. There was a very, very good half hour and a pretty mediocre 60 minutes. Lisandro looks like a 20-year-old kid running around the pitch and he's got brilliant quality ball yeah, just nice. needs a goal because he's doing everything else right Acuna is obviously uh, Argentina's left winger and waiting if they can get rid of the lie that is Angel Di Maria um, Romero again another guy you know, I'll adore Romero but he's had a bit of trouble kind of with his consistency on Saturday it was kind of more good than bad we saw which was an encouraging step and you gotta say it's you know it wasn't the easiest start to the season for Racing but yeah five games in they were unbeaten with 11 points uh, second in the table only two points off the league mm-hmm. you can't really beat half second yeah? I'm afraid you you will have to get used to this thing of scoring and going back to your side because we had it with Coca we had it with Merlo we had it with Zubeldia we had it with Simeone we're pretty used to <laughs> no, but even with Zielinski, because it's his essence, it's him. Yeah. 
what he wants for his teams to of course we you have Acuña you have Bo you have Henry Lopez uh, which who are n aren't fast enough mm. to for an ele electrify electrifying uh, counter attack mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's the way and and this of of course is the opposite way of thinking of Caruso Lombardi who uh, now it's a huracan who says that the w the style of the team is provided by the players and I think it's both it's uh, the coach and the players because if Racing scores uh, one nil like the Lisandro Lopez the other day against Patronato and Acuna goes and presses to the defense and Sielinski doesn't want that to happen well uh, it's it's something that the players the players can can't uh, not can perhaps do the other uh, the opposite thing to the coach in the uh, addresses or indications but yeah Racing have historically um, over the last 10 years had problems with with the counter-attack. I can probably count on one hand the amount of successful counter-attacks that Racing have had. So it's definitely something to work on if Zielinski is, is set on playing in Milito, this way. But Milito is not fast. Piojo Lopez is not fast. Uh, I know whether there was... Perhaps Bo now could be... Yeah, but if uh, you got Bo, Acuna, these guys going forward, you've yes. got a bit of explosion. But problem is, I think the main issue why this has never really worked in Racing is because... The fullbacks are, are so average, you know, Grimi on one side and, and Pichu on the other, they're not the kind of guys who are going to smash you for from defensive attack. So that's probably why the counters never really worked in Brasil. But we'll see what what uh, Zielinski can do in that regard. Meanwhile, or rather the following um, sort of two hours later, River Plate's got a 3-0 win over Bella Sarsfield. Um, thanks entirely to, to the, the massive helping hand that was given to them by the referee, if you believe um, lots of people. Was it the, the red card to me? It wasn't like a red card. card. I mean, he threw nah. his elbow towards Alessandro's face. But it he wasn't trying to elbow him in No, the it was still waving wildly. And, I mean, um, Beyond that... I think uh, the red card is uh, debatable. You could say it's a red card. The penalty was ridiculous. I was, I was surprised by how vehemently the, the the red card got debated. That was the thing. Um, and the penalty... I can't remember what it was given for. No, the no, retake of the penalty. Oh, but the, he was off the line. But that happens that, every single penalty. But that's not a reason to... That, that's everybody else. That's all the other referees. The problem is not referees. The problem is the other referees that doesn't uh, award exactly. the... Um, <laughs> Let's see if it happens in a Super Classico. Tevez no, is taking no, 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 a penalty. No, sorry, I, I, I am <laughs> on Dasha record. saves, comes off his line. Let's, let's uh, see if, it, if you think in the same way when it gets retaken. I am, I am on record as saying this, regardless of who the teams are. With stuff like pulling in the box or, or retakes mm -hmm. of penalties, the fact that one referee gives it and that, oh, that never normally gets given. That It's still in the rules. Every, it should normally get if given. If you're smoking a place, that it's not smoking place. And you are not fine. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's okay to, to smoke. Despite this, I think it's fairly difficult to um, argue that uh, that three yeah. wasn't a pretty much a fair a fair result. Oh yeah, Belis wouldn't have got anything out of the game even without those strange um, decisions. And therefore, I think that the main um, thing that I wanted to ask Andres uh, was not so much about the game, but about after the game. Now that River, after dropping points two weeks running, uh, have managed to get back to winning ways, it, it's it, they feel more optimistic again, right? Yes, it's uh, apart from that is the confirmation of some players that uh, Gachardo is betting on. Mm. 
because mm-hmm. our bets because not, not literally because that would be illegal. Yes, of course, of course. I mean, in the putting players because he insisted on them uh, and prevented them from leaving. Like for example, well, Drusi, the, the same players we are yeah, mentioning. Yeah. A bit of trivia about Drusi. Do you know that he scored more goals this season in ten games than in his entire River career before? Well, he scored six like goals in ten in all competitions this year, and he scored huh. five goals in sixty-eight games before this season. That is the result <laughs> of of perhaps. First of all, yeah. and he's been watching videos of Luis Suarez. Yes, well, he yes. says that's the secret. He's been what you know. He's been yes. getting that, that, tips that from is, that is smoke from Luis. Okay, <laughs> hopefully not too many videos of Luis. Yeah, I don't know if he's got to the biting ones yet. No, not the greatest hits, as it were. It's okay. Well, uh, to imitate him, it's okay anyway. He's yeah. not uh, <laughs> middle of Luis Suarez, but um, that no, is, he's a different player. Of course, he's more. Can score six goals in ten games uh, comparing to five goals in the previous? Seventy games. <laughs> that no, it's the previous career. Yes. Like in course, all his yes. career. That 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 proves that uh, it, that is the result of first putting him and leaving him on the first in, 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 once uh, in the starting lineup in the eleven players that start the game, but apart from that to putting him in the position he really mm. plays. Well, yeah. mm. because he has already been playing as a left midfielder when Alavi and Mora were mm-hmm. uh, scoring all of the goals and, and Gallardo was asked in a press conference whether Diusi will continue playing in that position and he's not comfortable and Gallardo re-asked well, but ask him if he wants to stay in the team or, he, or to go to the subs bench and there was no option for him and now there is he he insisted both Gachardo and him uh, at staying in the club, and now it, now there are the, the results. The, uh, a very waking, woken up player because he also uh, captures the, the the lost balls that are there in the in the box and also finishes players. So it's good for him, good for the team. Also, well, Mina, who is now it looks like he has been playing for years in River, and it's only four or five games. No, it came on radar as well, of course. Also. <laughs> Same to myself. Um, but yeah, regarding Driussi, he's really, I mean, he, he's obviously more as a replacement, and it's difficult to spot the difference in many ways. Um, moving on to the last of the Big Five um, in the league table terms and chronologically in this podcast, and also the last of them to play at the weekend. So I'm at not the just, weekend, yes. Not just taking the piss out of them. Uh, Boca Juniors, who. Who could possibly have predicted that Boca Juniors would fail to win away from home? <laughs> Hang on. I predicted that. I said they were going to draw. There you go. Um, Tigre took a very, very early lead through Diego Morales with a deeply hilarious... Diego Morales, back like Tigre. Boca. There we go. Yeah. I'm and, a big Diego uh, Morales fan. I wanted him at Racing a couple of years ago, but I think he went to Mexico instead. Yeah, he's That's come back fairly recently from... I can't yeah. remember where he was. Liga. Mexico. Liga Quito. Yeah. Liga Quito. There you go. Oh, really? Oh, but he yes. definitely was at Mexico. He was in Mexico, yeah. yeah. Um, and Juan Manuel Imsaraul, the equaliser yeah. for Boca with Towering Hill. Did either of you catch the game? I did, yeah. And Boca, to be honest, deserved to win. Tigre scored the goal early and then did absolutely nothing for the rest of the game. Well, Threatened he just on the got counter shit on. Threatened on the counter, but they were shit on, basically. That was a typical match in which a team doesn't deserve to win, but they have a clear opportunity to score. Mm. Because mm. when Boca, of course, went to uh, look for the equaliser, they had some opportunities. Of course, also hilariously missed. 
uh, well, it's of course if 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 uh, Hanson or or Rincon would have scored, yeah, uh, Rincon had a yeah. brilliant chance. But yeah, yeah. overall, Tigre were clear second best, and I don't think they'll be too upset with the point. Bocal would have thought they got. Is this something more. psychological now for Boca because it's this makes it eleven games, eleven away games in all competitions without a win for Boca. Wow. It's just, I mean, like, I mean, th- th- this was actually, as, as you say, that it was mm. it was one of the more impressive performances of that run. Yeah. This is the two last away games in the Copa Libertadores, the Sudamericana, mm-hmm. uh, the the semi final and the quarter final, the way legs, um, and eight. Oh, sorry, now nine uh, league matches. I'm not counting the neutral games, obviously, against uh, Lanús and the other Copa de Copa Argentina because they're neutral, not away. Um, but it's just like this some kind of mental block where yeah, yeah it seems they won four one in La Bombonera the previous week. Mm-hmm. Two weeks before that, they won three 0 in La Bombonera. And after both of those convincing <laughs> wins, they come away and they yeah. draw against teams that they should be expected to beat. Mm. I think a lot of it is down to um, to Guillermo Barcelotto. He's like a coach who. Yeah, kind of a reputation for um, for dynamic player, I guess you could say, in Lanús, he did well there, but he's, uh, first and foremost, despite his rather abrasive nature, he's he's a safety-first coach. Mm. He he doesn't like to risk points, uh, obviously playing at home in the Bombonera, you know that teams are going are gonna to logically set themselves far back in the pitch, so you have to go out and look for it, but away, he, he's a very timid Timmy coach and I think the team um, reflects that if you watch the first half hour of, of most of these games away Boca do very little I mean it was only Morales's goal that really uh, brought them into life and, and made them actually come out and play so it looks like you know the idea of uh, Guillermo is to, to first of all not concede goals away and then if you can uh, nick one through for a set piece or a counter and that bit's very strange for you know for a team like Boca you know first of all with the name of Boca and secondly with the millions and millions of dollars they spent on attackers they got like mm. seventy attackers and and yet they they leave the Bombanera and they just and they play like uh, like Sarmiento and I think it's inexplicable I don't know if if it, if it doesn't ha- if it has to do with the the way the team no if Boca are, Beating all comers in the Bombonera and then going, it's going to another ground and playing like frightened school children. It's because it's someone's. I don't think it's mental. I think it's because that's how they've been told to play. They've been told not to risk anything because they make funny mistakes. Boca take on a team, you know, palo a palo, you know, going for it. They're most likely going to win. They might concede a few goals, but but they win. They've got a better attacking line than than almost every team in in the league. So they have. Sorry to interrupt, but while you were talking, Dan, I thought, I wonder what their record like is at home mm-hmm. over the period that they've had this dreadful away record. This doesn't include the Libertadores the ones. ones. This is just, just the league ones. Uh, there are nine games unbeaten in La Bombonera in the league, six wins and three draws. Yeah. And away from La Bombonera, three wins and six defeats. So nine games unbeaten at home, but nine games without a win away. Six, three draws and six defeats. Yeah. Uh, how many goals have they scored in and out of the 1-1-8? I don't know. It doesn't say. Oh, it doesn't give it. It just has the runs of four. Um, well, I mean, so far, but there's just these oh, numbers yeah. um, But anyway, the Boca... Seven goals in the Bombonera and two away from it this oh, season. Oh, sorry, this season. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about during the run, yes. So, yeah. Well, it would have been good to see during so the run. So, at home, it's, it's scored seven, conceded one, and away, scored two, conceded three. Yeah. 
I mean, three goals away from home, I mean, it's what you pretty much expect to concede, right? But two goals is pitiful. Indeed. And I think on uh, TSC, I saw very briefly today, because I wasn't really at home, uh, the TSC the panel kind of laying into Aguil Sharma because he's denying that he's an offensive coach and he's going away from home defensively. I think from this point onwards, um, I mean, they're already five points behind Estudiantes. Yeah. There's a long way to go in this tournament, but and they've got to start picking up game uh, points away from home because Estudiantes aren't going to drop many points. Racing aren't going to drop many points. River aren't going to drop many points. Independiente aren't going to drop many points. They can't afford to be losing no. two points every two weeks. And since you, you mentioned, uh, as we were saying earlier, um, that they're not sort of that far behind that little sort of loads of teams in joint second place, if you will, on points. Um, as you say, five behind Estudiantes at the moment. Estudiantes are top on 13 points. And then we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams all on 11 points. River, Racing, San Lorenzo, Independiente, Newells and Colón. Um, and then Boca, along with Central, Gimnasia and Banfield are all on eight. So only three points behind them, but at the same time, as you say, it looks like those teams above them I'm um, not going to be dropping too many points. Obviously, we've just had River have had a couple of consecutive draws. Independiente have had a couple of consecutive draws, but they look like they're going to be winning yeah. more than they. It's they interesting to win. see, even at this early stage, that there's so many teams that are still unbeaten because almost yeah. always in the top an Argentine Primera División, uh, the top teams even lose one game in the first five or six. Yeah. Almost always because. Such an open league, but none of the top seven, so none of the teams down to it, including Colón, have lost yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Colón and Estudiantes are still yet to concede, even, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, remarkable. And it's interesting to see Racing and River um, as I did look because they've played almost exactly the same games. Because yeah. River's opposition is always the team yeah, that the team Racing played, played the previous week, yeah. so they must have had pretty shite opposition up to now. River. Have Scored three more and conceded three more than Racing, so identical goal difference as well. So um, yeah, they had on goal scored. And okay, so we've covered the big five goal, uh, games of the weekend. So let's talk next about Rosario Central against Arsenal, which I'm oh. hoping at least one of you saw because I didn't. And I did not. Five nil. All I know about Central is that in over the last few weeks they've, they've been, been drawing nil nil. But I see Lochelso come up on Twitter because he did something amazing. I think it's it was a of course a, a win that makes them believe that they can, but it was against Arsenal, so mm. <laughs> uh, it's to have a relatively calm, uh, optimistic vision. Yeah. I didn't bother watching it because it was at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and I've made a bit of a habit so far this season of sometimes sort of missing out the 2 o'clock games because there's a chance to go and enjoy a nice afternoon with my girlfriend before sitting down to, to work. Um, <laughs> And yeah, when I got in and sort of saw what the score was, I thought, oh, you know, I didn't. One of the reasons I didn't feel too bad about missing it was because, well, Central have been rubbish so far this season, and they're playing Arsenal, so it's not going to be that good a game. Um, so when I saw the scoreline, the first thing that struck me really was that it feels like, regardless of the fact that, as Andres says, Arsenal are not very good, um, it could just be a kind of win that injects some confidence into Central's play again, and, and it'll be interesting. Therefore, now that obviously we have a two-week gap. Um, before the next games because of the international break um, it's going to be interesting to see how they come back see how well they've been training in the two week interim and, and what they can do to their next opponents who are um, should have brought that up before starting the sentence where are they on this list let's click on them if I can find them bloody hell <laughs> oh this is ridiculous 
What's that? I'm, looking down, I'm looking down at maybe list of all the blockers about us to try and find Central. Central number 10. Thank you. Even I can see it from here and I'm looking around the corner. Indeed. Um, Central's opponent, next opponents are. Ooh, they're away to a Studiantes. So it'll be very interesting mm. indeed to see how they react. And that brings us very neatly on to what Estudiantes did at the weekend, which was not very much. Um, they didn't concede any goals, they still haven't conceded any at all all season, as I mentioned, um, in the league, apart from the two that they conceded in the Sudamericana against Belgrano. Um, they've kept clean sheets in all their other matches. And they drew nil-nil away to Gimnasia in a La Plata Clásico in which really not very much happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all we can say. Yeah. But it's still passing up. Very well, comfortable with the draw because, uh, well, now, uh, Vivas, at the end of the match, when he said that, well, we haven't lost, we are still at the top of the league, so it's okay. Uh, when they have beaten, been beaten, Gimnasia, I don't know if a lot of games in Europe, but uh, they. Uh, I don't know how, how many matches is Gimnasia that ca- can't beat them, ca- can beat the Estudiantes. Uh, there, there are several matches, so mm-hmm. the psychological uh, compound there is also present. Mm. Indeed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very well. I, th- I think it leaves something like the last 11 Clásicos now, Estudiantes have got a record of eight wins and three draws. Yeah, I'm beaten. Um, God knows But it just seems really weird. Like I said, there wasn't even a fight or anything. It didn't seem like a Clásico at all yeah. in any way. Um, neither team looked particularly interested in the second half. Um, other than that, oh, the game that took place at the same time as that, which I managed to watch the last 15 minutes of each half in and didn't see a single goal, was Banfield 3, San Martin 2, um, which sounds like it must have been much more entertaining um, than the La Plata Clásico. San Martín took a 2-0 lead uh, after 11 minutes and Banfield then came back to win 3-2. It was 2-1 at half-time still to San Martín, but Banfield stormed back in the second half to get what I think might be their first win of the season. Um, it leaves them in 11... Oh, no, their second win of the season, sorry. Um, so, well done, Banfield. And <laughs> well sorry done. that we can't say more about it, but obviously we were watching the match that uh, we were expecting to to be the, the must-win match. It was, it was a mix with, of historic players and the uh, young ones, because uh, mm. the, sco- the goals were scored by Silva, Elbiti yeah, and Secheli. Secheli or something like that. Yeah. Secheli. New kid on the block. Cecchini. Ah, Cecchini, sorry. Cecchini. Cecchini, if if it was Italian, which his surname is indeed Italian, but I suspect it probably is Cecchini, since he's not Italian. Oh, Cecchini would be Italian. Cecchini, Zucchini. We have been told that Bianchi was not Bianchi, but Bianchi. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years, 20, 30 years too late. Memories of Moosh, a Boca. Um, So, is there anything else to... Any other results that stood out to you, gents, over the weekend? Mm, the no, is still at it. Yeah, lost well. 2-1 away to Andalusili. Their fans are fun, but they've fun. not really got much to say in the top flight, have they? But they Unless they turn it around oh, a bit. No, but we were thinking that they would at least manage to stay up. I mean, they spent a lot of money on the squad over the winter. They yeah, put in some decent like, performances you know. against very big teams in the mm-hmm. first three rounds. Racing and San Lorenzo and River. Yeah. Uh, but this is the thing, we probably mentioned it last year with uh with Atletico Tucumán. I mean mm. you can you can do you, you know, you can get yourself up for these big games and um you know, 
match the big five, beat them, draw against them, but what decides your survival is what you do against the rest of the the chaff, let's say. Yeah. Uh, totally against done. the Sarmientos, against the um, against the Belgrano, say obviously that's a big classic offer to share it, but yeah. it doesn't uh, apply but against the against the teams that you you direct rivals with and uh, those are the games it's a little bit players. hard to to you know to build yourself up for and that's where a lot of you know a lot of teams where you think ah but they played really well against Racing how are they down there because like, mm. then they went six games and they lost to Quilmes Gimnasia Sarmiento Arsenal and Banfield so oh, yeah, what, was that, what did that spirit one one or draw in, in the Monumental mean you know it's all about consistency and that's where a lot of yeah. these kind of these newly promoted clubs can, can fall down and I was misremembering slightly they've not played San Lorenzo yet they played Racing and then River and yeah. got obviously in that little mini series in the first two games and then since then they've lost uh, away to Colón and away to Aldo City and they drew nil nil at home to Banfield um, so Tachera seems to put their ideas up a bit and yeah. um, we need to take a half time break I think so that we can keep the second bit of this podcast without it going too long um, refill our glasses and when we come back we're going to talk at you in your ears about the international break that's coming up mm-hmm. because there's going to be some very interesting things we're going to talk about a bit about Barres and a bit about uh, Twisted Pitches that as well and uh, Copa Argentina re-arrangements and similar things mm-hmm. don't go away sad story in Argentine football because uh, this I don't know week or this year or sometime early next year or over the summer or something um, a legend of the lower divisions is going to die in its own way I say it's not his because we're not talking about a person Um, thankfully it'd be weird to give such a uh, definite date of death for a person yes precisely (laughs) unless it was I don't know maybe it's uh, maybe it's going to Switzerland to Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, um, being sent to Switzerland for euthanasia is the stadium, or the pitch at least, um, of Liniers, who play in the Torneo uh, Primera C. Why did I say that? Primera D. I think you'll find them. No, C. La Nación say that it's. La Nación say they're in the day. I read the other day they're in the C. Let's let's wrap this up. Someone's like. Let's look at the Primera C. Primera C has. and for the it's La Ferrer and then Merlo, so no, they're not in the Primera C. Oh, Primera D, on the other hand. Yeah, there they are. That's General La Madrid, that's Paraguayo, where the bloody hell are they? This is embarrassing. Oh, come on. Linea, Linea. Primera D. Which is the. the fifth division of Argentine football. And they are famous um, for. Basically, if you look on Google Maps, you'll find out why they're famous. Um, they have a pitch which is not a pitch. Um, no, it's not the traditional yeah. rectangle. It's a trapezium. <laughs> the traditional, the boring rectangle. Yeah. 
It's uh, or in, indeed yeah. in any sense of the word. It's uh, um, it's Picasso Picasso-esque, as I as I explained it in, the other day. In, indeed, it is one goal line. One goal line is 66 metres and 7 centimetres long. The opposite goal line is 67 metres and 1 centimetre long. Um, one touch line is 95 metres and 45 centimetres long, whilst the other is 94 metres and 87 centimetres long. And if those sound like small measurements when I read it out, as I say, go and look it up on Google Maps and you will see that it's actually very, very visible from above. Um, it's, it's quite remarkable. It's and it's also... Um, something that I suspect, because they have always maintained, as Dan was saying before we started recording, that uh, in spite of not being a 90 degree rectangle, yeah. uh, that it is within the um, the laws of the game. And we, uh, I looked this up um, before we started recording in order to confirm this, and can confirm that it's not at all within the laws of the game. <laughs> and so I suspect that they've been told to change it now, because all of a sudden we have FIFA running the AFA, and so it's quite possibly the first time it's been brought to FIFA's attention. <laughs> we can just imagine all these years, because this is a stadium which we should point out is not actually in Liniers, it's in La Matanza, mm. which yes. is a, little, a few, yeah, few kilometres away. You can imagine Lovely the scene, area, you know, they make their, they build a new stadium, it's absolutely, you know, compl- the architect was clearly pissed when he, when he did it, because also, or he wanted to get the fuck out as quickly as he could because he was in La Matanza and he thought, what am I This doing? is very possible as well, and you can imagine, you know, how long has Google Earth been around? Ooh, 2008, 2007? Yeah. So you can imagine, you know. It wasn't exactly hard for him to find out. Like these pictures of the of the Linear Stadium have been going around the internet for years. Kind of just this second, the AFA realised maybe you know an intern came along. They had you know they tweeted something about the can the Linear Stadium, and one of the big guy the big wigs saw it and was like, "Hold on, this stadium isn't right." What's going <laughs> the AFA on? AFA got onto the internet just this yeah. year. But the hilarious thing about this is that. They knew this because they have been playing there for 30 years, almost yeah. 30 years, and and they were yes, we want we wanted to this, make these corrections and modify the, yeah. the, the dimensions. But there's always been something else, you know, being other other maintenance things we had to sort out. It was the hidden or subterranean stadium. Yeah. It was there, but I think that this is because they wanted the attention of media, and they are, they 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 did it because yeah. now all of the all of the uh, listeners from all the, all the all of the world know that there is a team called Linears mm-hmm. and that, that has a stadium that is crooked and, and yeah. they have to and they are doing the modifications yeah they're already carrying out the works yes. I've seen yeah. I've seen pictures of the works so they're doing something I don't know you, like, how much how much work could you do I mean it's either demolish the whole stadium or just try and the thing is, I, I don't try and you know uh, blag it by repainting the lines and see seeing what's going. I can't see why you need to reconstruct. I mean, I would guess no, but they are remodeling the stadium within the area of the pitch. You'd be able to get a pitch that's at least the minimum of FIFA's sort of regulation size. So yeah, I don't think there's any need as such to remodel. Obviously, after a while, you'll want to because you want to move the stands a bit closer to the pitch so you don't have massive uneven gaps. But I mean, <laughs> just in terms of getting a match played, it would be as simple as. Is redrawing the lines. I would have thought, but you would have thought. What do I? It have? seems not. They have to. They have to do some modifications. Because I'm guessing the benches already on, on the touch lines and all that. There, kind there of are thing. there are pictures or, or on the Twitter uh, linear Twitter account, showing the the tracks, working mm-hmm. that they are like yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, putting the some like dirt or something mm-hmm. like that. 
a great shame. Really anyway, but they will um, be back. They're going to stay in the stadium. They just got to do a, a little bit of work to to de de crookify it. Indeed. Um, in other news, uh, there are some matches coming up. This is obviously much less important, but um, yeah, we should probably talk about it anyway. Uh, Argentina are playing a couple of World Cup qualifiers. They are away to Peru at, and this is Argentine time, kick-off, quarter past 11 at night on Thursday, so I suspect that those of you who are listening to this from the UK won't be staying up for it, because it's quarter past three in the morning when it kicks off. Um, It's almost as if they don't take UK time into consideration, isn't it, when setting a South American kick-off time is very inconsiderate. 3am? 3am. And then on uh, Tuesday next week, they're at home to Paraguay. Mm-hmm. in Cordoba at a time that we don't know yet or rather I don't know yet because I've not looked it up uh, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. the point is that by the time we next record both of these matches would have been played because we're not recording on Tuesday next week down. Sorry, um, they don't have Lionel Messi they mm-hmm. do have Paolo Dybala because of course he's back after being suspended mm-hmm. for um, the Venezuela game having picked up a red card during the Uruguay game last time out they don't have Lucas Pilia no, they don't. And who's the other guy? Who's Augusto Fernandes. And Augusto Who they won't have for a long time now, unfortunately, so, because he snapped his cruciate ligaments. Oh, did he? He did. Oh, I just heard he was injured. I didn't realise what no. the injury was. That's not painful. Um, the starting eleven for the Peru match looks like it's going to be a 4-2-3-1, just as it was against Uruguay and against uh, Venezuela. And well, it's names, what other formation could have been? Indeed. And the names who are filling out that formation, or rather the players who are filling out that formation and the names of those players, are Sergio Romero in gold, surprise, surprise, Pablo Sabaleta, Nicolás Otamendi, Ramiro Funek Mori, and Marcos Rojo, a defence fully made in Manchester, or, well, made in Argentina and then exported to Manchester. Funes um, Mori in Liverpool is now in the Manchester. Sorry, oh. yeah, that's, I'm sure our, our Liverpool-based fans are going to be delighted with hearing they're the part of Manchester now. Sorry. So if you have any problems with that, write in at Sam, yeah. you know who he is on Twitter, and please don't hold back. I, I was looking at Romero, I'm going mixed up. and trying <laughs> He's to also a United fan, so yeah. that's that. Um, anyway, then we have another former Manchester-based player, Javier Mascherano in midfield. That's just me taking <laughs> the piss out of myself. Don't write in. Um, and a hopefully future Manchester-based player, Matthias Kranavita, because I like him at United. Um, behind, Paolo Dybala, Sergio Aguero and Angel Di Maria, who will be supporting Lucas Prato up front. No, they won't, because Gonzalo Higuain is back in the starting lineup as the main striker. Mm. Gentlemen, what do you think of this starting lineup? That was loud, sorry. It's probably as... That was me cracking my fingers, by the way. Yeah, that was anything else. nice. There's two... I mean, I can't really complaining much about the the back seven as we can probably say safely it'll be with two defensive midfielders and and that back four it's probably about the strongest Argentina can put out I would have rather seen uh, Ángel Correa on the right and Dybala playing at number 10 mm-hmm. uh, and Marcos Acuña obviously playing in, instead of Di Maria and yeah uh, in the centre forward place it's, I think at the moment it's a toss up between between Prato and, and Higuain and but yeah, Higuain probably yeah he deserves a chance to to prove himself again after after once more becoming a hate figure after the Copa America so they're the two changes I make uh, Aguero out Di Maria out uh, Acuña in and Correa in but apart from that yeah 
they should really have enough to beat Peru, I'm guessing. The thing that I'm most interested, I think, is, is I mean, obviously, the, the big story is how do they replace Messi, and, and that seems to be by putting Dybala um, out on the right and, and, you know, having given, obviously, Eric Lamela um, the, the, the chance to, to do so against Venezuela when Messi was, was injured before. Um, and I mean, I didn't really grasp that nettle, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, Dybala now has the chance with Aguero, you suspect, playing off Higuain rather than behind him all the time. Um, but I think the, the, the other thing I'm interested in, obviously, as a River sympathiser and a fan of Pranavita, is that he's getting a start. This is exciting, though. It is, yeah. We're going to see how, how he does, you know, with the full 90 minutes. I think. The well, last game he played was against Bolivia in the Copa America. The last Bolivia. game he played for Argentina. For Argentina, obviously, yeah. yeah. Will there uh, be better? And he did well. He played really well there, obviously, again, alongside uh, Ever Banega, who's is a bit more of a dynamic influence, let's say, yes. uh, than Machiran on the field. I would rather see uh, Banega and Caranaviter as the, as the double five. Yes, more natural selection will be Banega, well, Pizarro also, but uh, we know that when a player is uh, called up the first time, he won't be in... No, no, he comes in to, you know, to, to, to learn the but ropes for, and see what's going on. In terms of the way of play... Along Cronenbeach or Machana will be ideal more Banega or Pizarro for the characteristics of playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Baus is never gonna yes, abandon the double five and, and the weight, safe to say. the weight condition also. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I would have also liked to see perhaps Emmanuel Mas have a chance at left back. I don't know if he must be in the squad, right? Yeah, he played against Venezuela. Yeah. We still don't know whether why Marcelo yeah, is not there. Yeah, because I think was injured or suspended yeah, or something. Yeah, like that. Against Uruguay, yeah. That's what it yeah, you know, a bit more of an of an attacking option at left because Di Maria we know just sort of sort of plays his own game. Mm. But perhaps we'll get surprised. I know the few times Di Maria has played without Messi, he's actually done pretty well. Uh, the Venezuela game apart, so so we'll see if he can actually step up because he's not been playing particularly well for PSG this season. And he's got Acuna bearing down his neck, you know, really pushing him along. So maybe he'll feel that pressure and, and put in the performance of a lifetime now. That's assuming he has a clue who Acuna is, of course. And uh, that he pays any attention of what's going around him, which, precisely. Like, judging on how he plays, is debatable. Andres, you were saying something as well? No, I agree with him and with the things about the, the team. Uh, I guess that I guess Paraguay would be uh, perhaps yes in, the, in that case uh, more Evanega instead of Tranviter uh, there in the midfield to give more dynamics in the in the midfield. But then, well, the same uh, question question of all the times in terms of the strikers that Aguero have been scoring a lot of goals for Manchester City and Iwain has started scoring goals in Juventus after. Uh, starting with the uh, Kailos uh, that shouldn't have been there, mm. uh, and when when he wears national team, uh, it's different. So uh, we will see. Um, the thing that I am going to be interested to see is, is just how well the team perform because it, uh, we talk about this every time that Messi is injured or suspended or whatever isn't playing for Argentina for whatever reason is, you know, they have to learn to play without him and. Blah, blah, blah. And um, it is going to be interesting because the record that Argentina have got 
particularly in this sort of round of qualifiers where Messi's been injured for four or five of them. Like it wasn't couple, just this this couple, was it? There was a couple last year as well. Copa America and Mary were already. Yeah. And, and 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 the record that, that they have is like it's they take half the number of points on average yeah. when Messi's not in the team compared with when he is. Well, the first and four games, games which he missed, which, they lost one, drew two, and won yeah. one. And then this time they they drew, so it's one win and five without Messi. Thank you. And and four and, wins, no, three wins out of three with Messi. And these two games, you know, away to Peru and, and at home to Paraguay without. Any disrespect at all to Peru and Paraguay, mm-hmm. um, but given the form that those two teams are in, they're games that Argentina expect to win both of. And yeah. so it's, it's going to be a real case of can can they step it up, and not only can they provide the performance, but can they then actually get the points? Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting sure to see tough. Paraguay because obviously they're another another team that have recently changed their coach, uh, Chiqui Arce, the best back. named coach in the world of football, is back to the delight of Rafana and they've got they're another team you know they've got the talent I mean uh, you're talking about uh, Romero and Racing Miguel Lamiron uh, Lanús guy was so influential in their in their title win uh, Darvis González another guy um, Cano yes. uh, so like from, and their brother from the middle of the pitch going forward they got and Romero team. also he has been playing yeah. in the f- few matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they got they got all the talent to do well. It just depends if you know all this. The eternal question of Paraguay: Can they do it in a team not coached by Martino? Yes, it is also difficult. Now to, they haven't been able to. Also difficult to replace Santa Cruz, uh, Aedo Valdez. Ah, oh, yeah, but they haven't really been very good for for four years yet. So they probably could have started that a bit earlier. To uh. be honest. According to Ole, the starting eleven for uh, Peru on Thursday is looking like um, a four-four-two with Gaese in goal, Corso, Ramos, Rodriguez, and Trauco across the back, Tapia, Yotun, Benavente, and Flores across midfield, and Cueva and Guerrero up front. So now Farfan, now who's the guy who played for Newells? Avincula. Well, yeah. So I remember, I think in the last qualifying phase, they gave Argentina a few problems out wide with those two guys. They really did yeah. uh, push them back. Was it the last one, or there was some one game where they played Peru and they were pretty lucky. Yeah, it must have been the last qualifying phase. It's it's um, Guerrero and ten more. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Guerrero in in the middle is a massive boost here. So I think without so much of a wide threat, they're, they're going to just have to play smart and, and try and kind of contain Argentina. But Garica's been doing pretty well with Peru. It's going to be going to be interesting to see what he does. I've um, just gone to Google News for Jefferson Fafan to see whether there are any um, Fafan, sorry, to see whether there are any updates on it, and um, they're all about his love life. Oh, there you go. He's, he's back to uh, back in Lima to have fun with. Reality TV stars and so on. Excellent. So uh, well, he's doing what? He's not retired, has he? As far as I'm aware. <laughs> no, he can't have done. It's not out. If Guerrero's no, still going, Farfan must play for Al Jazeera in the United Arab Emirates, apparently. So, so there you go. go. But yeah, he's not going to be. Well, it doesn't look like he's going to be starting, according to Ole, on Thursday night. But obviously, that game is not for another <laughs> uh, forty-eight plus uh, fifty hours. 
So yeah. he might still, still, time, still do time. so if I'm assuming he's in the squad. Actually, if he's in Lima having fun with reality TV stars, then maybe he's not in the squad. Um, well, close to the squad. <laughs> at the moment, the South American World Cup standings are Uruguay top with 16 points, Brazil and Argentina second and third, both with 15. Colombia fourth with 13 points, and Ecuador fifth with 13 points. That's the playoff spot, of course, Ecuador. Um, Paraguay have 12 points, Chile have 11, Bolivia have 7, as do Peru, and Venezuela are bottom with 2 points. Um, I think one, other... year, one year ago, that table will be with Chile instead of Brazil. Yeah. Perhaps mm-hmm. the positions uh, twisted. Yeah. The other fixtures coming up uh, on Thursday are Ecuador v Chile, which could be fun. Mm. It must win that Being in, in, Chile. in Quito, obviously, makes it interesting, and Chile's backs against the wall situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Uruguay against Venezuela, which you would expect to be a fairly comfortable Uruguay win. Paraguay versus Colombia, which mm. I think is. There's a bit Paraguay, of intrigue solely because Paraguay are the home team. If it was Colombia at home to Paraguay, then you'd be probably expecting a big Colombia win. Brazil at home to Bolivia, which is going to be every bit as one-sided as it sounds historically, I suspect. Um, especially now Brazil have got fun to watch again. Yeah. Or at least not quite as awful to watch as they were. But there is a problem with Neymar and the CBF. He has uh, made some kind of trial, or well, demand. I know that he was annoyed because of something and... He's always annoyed because of something that happens in Brazil. Yeah, but this is serious. It's something that has to do with the, with the money and, and he will... Like, law with the law or something like that. Oh, this is the, the trial that's happened again in Barcelona. Oh. Yeah, not it's not got anything to do with the CBF. It's a tax thing about his transfer and all that and the case has been reopened. Shouldn't really affect him too much, I don't think. His uh, his mood going into the international game. Sorry, I'm I'm not going sim- uh, silent for no reason. I'm just um, I was googling Neymar and CBF to see whether there was anything on here. Um, no, it's a it's a case in um, Barcelona tax courts. No, no, no. I realised that. Yeah. I was just uh, wondering whether, whether there was anything else to add. But no, it doesn't look like there is. No, oh, apparently okay. TJ is, is, is. But he has had run-ins before with um, with the Brazilian reporters, more the Brazilian media, because yeah. they think he thinks that they uh, they overzealously well, cover his uh, his nocturnal. He was constantly uh, well uh, criticized because of their nightlife. Yeah, 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 and then he turned around, won the Olympics, and just told them all to fuck off, basically. Hmm. Um. And then the other fixtures, obviously Peru, Argentina, uh, as we've mentioned already, and then the other fixtures next Tuesday are Bolivia at home to Ecuador in the high-altitude derby, Colombia versus Uruguay, which will be very interesting if both of those teams can keep up the form they've shown so far, Argentina at home, as we said, to Paraguay in the Estadio Mario Alberto Kempis, Chile at home to Peru, could be a battle, I mean, that could be, not only is it the the Clásico of the Andes, but it's also... um, Potentially, a, you know, that could have a big say in whether either of those teams can sneak fifth place. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Chile dropped more points, particularly. Yeah, two big games for, for Chile coming up. Could, could these two matches make something or make the coaches be safe or not? I mean, Gareca on Peru uh, or Pizzi on Chile? Hmm. Yeah, it's going to depend on on the two results, and Pizza's probably they'll give them more pressure. I would think. Yeah, obviously we've got two more games in November as well, 
So probably that's going to be the key, you know, seeing how they do from now to to the end of the year. But if they can't pick up that many points in the next four games, then obviously either one or both could could be out of work. Yeah. Um, and the final game on uh, Tuesday night is Venezuela versus Brazil. Which, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's not it's make. Yeah. Brazil, I imagine we all thought Argentina were going to turn Venezuela over away, but so let's let's be careful on that. Indeed. Um, is there anything else to mention? Oh, the Copa Argentina um, quarterfinals begin tomorrow or today. By the time you're listening to this. With a clash between Belgrano and Juventud Unida de Wally Waichu. Thank you very much. Well done, Andres. Um, and Dan as well, but Andres was the one who got there first. Um, I'm now going to bring up the Copa Argentina website because the, the big story about the Copa Argentina this, this week, because occasionally they have to try and come up with a big scandal so that, they, oh, yeah. so that people remember that it's happening. They don't have um, to look that hard in. Uh, in Argentine football, right? Is is one that uh, Racing versus Gimnasia was going to be played in Mar del Plata on mm-hmm. Sunday. Long weekend, then. very nice spring spring weekend in Mar del Plata. You see a bit of football, and perfect. What happened, Dan? Tell us. Um, what has happened? To, to put it shortly, um, just now they've just discovered. They've just discovered that there is actually a problem with the. That's Barres. not a quarter final, by the way. Sorry, that's still the last. That's 16. Uh, last sixteen. Game, so yeah. the Belgrano game on Wednesday is a quarter final, yeah. but the last sixteen hasn't finished yet. We've well, you know, we're about and Godoy against San That's Brentford strange. I, I was going to tell about that. Yeah. It's there are already quarter finals being played or have, uh, about to play, yeah. and, and the last of them is still in the middle round of sixteen games that even. Uh, there are problems with the with the venue and the supporters. Well, Dan was talking about that. Thing. Yeah. So, for pretty much all the time I've been uh, in Argentina and going to Racing games, the two are pretty much synonymous. Uh, the Racing Barra has been a fairly peaceful place. Not you know the odd. Apart the odd from the bloke who turned up dead in the swimming pool. Apart from the bloke who turned up dead in the swimming pool. Yeah, but that was. I think I was explaining to you in the lift that that was kind of an extra football thing, which obviously is, does not make it right or good or, or not, not deplorable in any way, but wasn't kind of related to, to the barrel. It was kind of more of a, a crime of passion, possibly. I'm not going to say anymore. Could you cut that, please? Uh, so, uh, it's been fairly peaceful. Like, the internal battle that you have in many clubs hasn't hadn't kind of raised its head in, in Racing particularly over the last 10 years, say. Um, until this weekend because uh, the Guardia Imperial which is the Racing official Barra which I think it's safe to say official because like they, most they sell their merchandise in the club shop exactly you know, like most you know factions they control a lot of the money that, that circulates around uh, Racing match day with uh, the car parking the merchandise and they went a bit further because in the free I believe uh, official uh, club shops of Racing, one in Avellaneda, one in Villa del Parque, one in the centre of town, uh, La Academia they're called. Uh, they sell their official Warrior Imperial shirts and jumpers and all that kind of stuff. So, what's happened now? Uh, the Racing Barra de la Guardia Imperial is currently under the leadership of El Huevo, the egg. 
El Huevo has been in charge ever since uh, Jaime, which is not his real name, it's his um, Nondeguer. I think it's called not Ricardo because that's mixing in another another story of corruption but in the government uh, Hector I think his name is but he's called Jaime or Jaimita uh, Jaime has been in jail for 10 years or so uh, for murder uh, but now he's out and as tend to, as tends to happen when uh, Barra Capo comes out of prison we saw it in in Boca obviously with uh, Rafael De Seo uh, Jaime wants his place back in the stands so before the game on Saturday which I'm, I'm going to say unfortunately because I love going to Racing games unfortunately I was working uh, a block away from the stadium there was a pretty nasty shootout um, between kind of two you know the official faction and this uh, Jaime faction and they managed uh, to get away with a, with a banner they left one one guy in a in hospital with gunshot injuries and it's all pretty pretty serious around there so what the the organizers no it's the Buenos Aires security authorities uh, Aprevidi they decided to cancel this nice long weekend trip to the beach uh, in Mar del Plata and play the game at the same time but behind closed doors in Banfield or in Arsenal or possibly in Lanús which it's not nearly as nice as Canta Mar Plata, I can assure you. So, at the moment, obviously, this isn't going to do anything to solve the problem. It basically just shits on a lot of fans' plans for the long weekend, although I'm sure they'll go anyway. You know, and the, last and weekend the fact they bought coach tickets and booked hotels. Yeah, but they'll go anyway. You know, I won't cancel the trip just because the no, game was off, it's fine. So, um, yeah. It's very difficult to know that this could happen and to schedule or... Uh, from the beginning, the match in Lanús or Banfield or Arsenal, knowing that the, both teams are from south, of, well, of course, La Plata is a big, a, a bit. Uh, yeah, uh, but the thing is, I don't think this idea of them crossing in, in the uh, in the way to Mar del Plata is such a big deal, given that it's a long weekend and a lot of people will be going down on Friday. Some will go on Saturday. Some, uh, very few, might go down on on the day of the game. So I don't think. I mean, it's not like a game, you know. Uh, Eight o'clock in the evening, and they in La Plata, and you're going with uh, Racing and Independiente fans. Obviously, that would be a recipe for disaster. But again, like that, I don't think that's too much. It's basically the the interna, the the internal battle, and that's you know. Yes, I know. Mar Plata is struggling at the moment. We're in a recession. Mar Plata's probably been one of the biggest hit, and they probably thought that having two armed mafia gangs fuck each other up. <laughs> Uh, in gunfights in the streets wouldn't be the best advert for for tourism. Yeah, I, I know that uh, going to Mar del Plata it's not only football because you have tourism there mm-hmm. and, and I heard a supporter of Racing that had already bought tickets and the hotel mm-hmm. to to spend the days uh, apart from the match. Yeah, yeah. That, that was telling that the affiliates of Racing that are from the interior of Argentina mm-hmm. also were going there and organized a dinner for 400 people and they now cancelled that because Mm -hmm. uh, of course they won't go and this is money they lost well it's a typical move from the AFA from the security for it is this shit on the normal fans because they can't control the barras it's what they do best it's their only real solution from 
uh, banning away fans to asking for your documents when you're going into the game to I don't know what other so, crackpot scheme playing behind closed doors it's, so Jaime, it's all the same it's all the same so Jaime the, one of the Barra members when he was in jail from the first day to the 10th year he was thinking on huevo and he was thinking on breaking eggs because huevo was yeah he, he always had the idea of um Or making a nice little money this is, omelette. This is also a part of the story, which is Ebarra, that is 10 years in, in, in jail because he committed a crime. Oh, yeah. And now yeah. He's, he's out and he wants his place. Yeah. Well. <laughs> We shall move on to listeners' questions now. Um, without further ado, Sidak Koya asks, can we expect an influx of youth, at least from next year's March World Cup qualifiers? And then he gives us a few hashtags, Icardi, Paredes, Rulli, etc. Icardi. Seems like Bowser said a couple of times, that, no, we're not holding anything against him, but he still doesn't pick him. And he's in fantastic form. I don't know if you've seen many Inter games. Uh, I've seen a few, and especially the way he links up with Banega. Like, if you can bring that partnership, you know, sort of this number 10 slash 8 slash 5 role that Banega plays... Uh, with Icardi's uh, mobile number nine, if you can bring that over to international football, you've got basically a guaranteed goal again. But it seems like you know the dressing room doesn't want him, and that's keeping him out. Uh, Paredes, I think he's a little bit down the pecking order at the moment because you've got Machirano, Bilia, Craneviter, Banega, Augusto Fernandez, all these guys in front, so it's going to be hard for him to get through. And the other one was. Rulli. Rulli. Until Romero gets injured or really fucks up, it's hard to see um, yeah. but changing goalkeepers. We said it for the last five years, basically. And why would you? Well, why would you? Yeah. When you've got somebody very talented. Paredes as a natural enganche. No, no, no. Now he plays as a number five. Oh. In Italy, he's changed as to a number five. That's interesting. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, kind of a, a Banega type number five, you know, with passing, with with a bit more mobility. Yep. In response to the general question, I would say probably not, because just by and large, Argentina uh, don't you're play about a team that have been operating on a very high level for most of the last few years, and and so whilst obviously nobody's denying that a lot of the kids mm. who are banging on the door to come in are very very talented, mm. there's not like a pressing need to go. Oh yeah, let's drop Javier Mascherano because he's playing. Awfully, you know. <laughs> no, exactly. Anyway, and there's been a few already. We've got Dybala in there now. We've got yeah, Canavita. Exactly. So we've got it's Correa. Happened. It's, it's coming, but don't expect... Uh, slowly rather yeah. than just change everything. It's expect not like evolution rather than it's revolution. It's not like they got knocked out of the World Cup. And anyway, no, no, no. To tear up everything. Anyway, no, responding no. to a, a question that Sivan John, I think he mm -hmm. asked last episode yeah. about uh, Bausa looking for 60 players. He already said, he said that, yes, he's looking for a lot of players and proof is that Alario, Prato, players that weren't uh, uh, usually co being called up, now they are there. So Indeed. Yeah. And the next question is about one of those players. Lucas Alario from Chris Hartley asks, do you see Alario establishing himself in the Argentina squad? To which the very quick answer is yes, because Bowser's already said that he's, um, he's going to be a regular in the Argentina squad. So if the manager says yes, then we have to say yes, basically. And you know, I'm very happy with that, I like him. Arsenal fanatic, that's Arsenal rather than Arsenal fanatic, says, are there any promising centre-backs around in the Primera who have the potential to move to Europe? Mina. I was about to say Arturo Mina yeah. as well. Swim against Defensa Justicia was sh rubbish. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> for the whole of the Copa Libertadores, it was brilliant. And Bayern yeah, Bayern playing in a team that put defence first. I mean, I've got my doubts about Mina. I don't think he's he's going to do, do that well in River. And I think the by this time next year, we won't even be mentioned. I, I think Mina you're wrong, let's try and answer the question. Any promising centre backs in the Primera with the potential to move to Europe? <laughs> Andres has got his hand up while you're thinking. Go. I will put an eye. On uh, another not Argentinian centre back, but who is playing in Argentina with, who is Carlos Rodriguez from Olimpo. He's 26 years old. He's from Uruguay. Mm-hmm. He has uh, beca- he became champion with Juventud Las Piedras. No, uh, plus uh, Colonia. I don't remember. Plus Colonia. Plus Colonia, the, the mm. uh, Uruguayan team, and he made all of his career there in Uruguay Rampla Juniors, uh, plus Colonia. Now as Olimpo, he scored the goal la- the other day. He looks strong, and I see him. Not I don't know whether he will finally go to Europe, but it's a uh, with six, 26 years. Not he's not old enough to end his career uh, still. So I think he could be one to watch, and he has been doing good for Grande T, the the game that uh, fantasy football. Yes, Dan, come up with anyone yet? Say, Shunkim isn't a bad bet. Oh, yeah. He's been doing yes. well for yes. for Estudiantes for, for many a year now. Yeah. Um, then, possibly, he's been he's getting on a bit now, and he seems like he's never going to make his r- River debut. But, Luciano Lolo. Is there a, a return date for Lolo Still yet? Injured. Still injured. Yeah. Shame. Uh, but, yeah, Shame. Lolo, otherwise, talent-wise, is, is obviously... Um, yeah. Another if he gets into the River team ahead of Mina, who's obviously of course he's going to get into the River team ahead of Mina. It's like saying um, no, Otamendi's not going to get into the um, Argentina team ahead of De Michelis. Like Arsenal fanatic follows follows up with. By the way, Balanta was very average against Arsenal last week. He was often out of position and should have given a penalty away. Uh, to which I'm just going to comment that it doesn't entirely surprise me. I mean, he, his form fell off a cliff after that injury he picked up. What was it, two year, year and a half? Who's Belen to play for now? Basel. Basel, Basel. Switzerland. Basel, 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 Basel. Um, Tariq Al Haider asks why on earth does Bausse imagine that Banega is a number 10 well he doesn't do any more but it was one experiment against Venezuela basically and he and played very well at number 10 for Sevilla all he? last year yeah he number, played. would you say it was a number 10 for Sevilla I mean what is a little further back than that really. what is a number 10 these days well like, except in, in Argentine terms it's somebody who plays further well, forward than Banega yeah in classic Argentine terms but I mean what does a number 10 mean we know that Bowser's not going to play with a classic number 10 or a Riquelme. He's a second striker slash playmaker and Banega I would not say was playing as I didn't see an awful lot of Sevilla. No, a second striker's more of a seven in modern football, no? Uh, I'd say, no, he's a creative, he's a creative midfielder, Banega. Sure he is, yeah. yeah. Like, he's not going to sure play at number yeah, 10. But, but. To call players with, the, with their name, with their numbers or their position because of their yeah. numbers is... Not anymore. I think, no, it I went out with, uh, I think, with sorry, the driver. I think what Tariq is getting at is that against Venezuela, Banega played as the central one of the three in a 4-2-3-1, yeah. which be fair, we said the before the game crap, seemed then. like it was pushing him a little bit further forward than he was used mm-hmm. to play. Um, why does Bowser imagine that he is that? Well, he's apparently not going to be playing there against... No, uh, but he has done it and, Brody, and he so. can. But that was a pretty shoddy all-round team performance yeah. by, by Argentina. Arsenal Fanatic is back and asks what are the expectations for Nelson Vivas and Estudiantes this season impressive start I don't know what the expectations were but they're definitely exceeding the expectations the now are going to be a title challenge oh yeah definitely and more importantly he says what's the likelihood of Vivas punching another fan 
Well, if they keep winning they did it the first time, low, but... Before yeah, we did it the first time round, we would have said it would never happen. Yeah. It did, so uh, what do we know? These things happen, like, we, we won't rule, rule them out. We have the usual catarata of questions, that's a Spanish word meaning cataract or waterfall, um, from Darren Paul. And for once, because Dan's here, he can actually answer them all. Uh, Darren, first of all, asks, what is everyone's favourite Luciano Awid moment? To which me and Andres probably don't have an answer, but I'm sure Darren Don't have a favourite Awid moment. I told Darren this the other day, anyway. The great, I mean, it's not my favourite, it's the greatest Awid moment of all time. Even better than his first professional goal after about 150 games was in a Racing Vélez game, Vélez Stadium, uh, 0-0, 90 minutes. Awid grabs the ball, screens himself away from the Vélez defence, Back heel through to Vieta. Vieta knocks it in. 1-0. And game over. That is the quintessential Awed moment. Darren says that his favourite moment was when he... Uh, his first touch where he collected the ball and turned his man all in one go. Oh, there you go. Uh, uh, Darren also asks, will we see some second division stuff this weekend? So I can write about it for um, Golazo Argentino, which is Peter's blog. To which the answer is yes, we will, apparently. Yeah. Um, it's scheduled again. You need to get Gustavo on because Atlanta are going great, guys. We do. Um, but he never replies to the emails, so we can't do it at the last. Uh, Darren's next question was Nico Sanchez the real power in the partnership with Lolo in the title game <laughs> because he's been outstanding again this season. Behave, Darren. Okay. Lolo was the best defender in Argentina in that time, and Sanchez was. Sanchez didn't even play in the. In the 2014 title, well, Jonathan Cabral played. I regret that there aren't any San Lorenzo fans like uh, Darren Paul asking questions because I think the similar way that uh, Dan and all, all of Racing fans feel for Awel, San Lorenzo fans feel for, uh, for example, Mercier. Mm. It's similar mm. position, they are in the team a long time ago. Yeah, possibly Mercier is a bit more of a hard worker and Awid's a little bit more technical but it's that kind of player yeah like Darren has two more questions first of all he asks me how my football manager career is going for some reason um, which is an actual question I'm not just this is an excuse to talk about it the answer to which is that I've not really played very much recently because I've developed a crippling addiction to chess this year um, so, so my football manager career has been on the back burner for a while um, and the second question which is again more Argentine football related at last is who is the best side outside of your own to watch in Argentina right now he says for Darren it's Ferro 4-4-2 with lots of pace and crosses he's been watching Ferro he's been watching a lot of lower division football to write about it for Peter as we said Um, for me apart from River I would go with I mean you would expect to be saying Lanús or Central right now but they've both been pretty ordinary so far obviously Central up until last weekend um, so I'm going to nominate again ignoring the weekend just gone I'm, I'm going to say um, Estudiantes just very very well balanced not necessarily the, you know, the most beautiful football or anything but it, there's something nice about just watching a team at this, especially in a league like this where consistency and taking things seriously seems to be so, so in such rare supply there's something really nice to see a team who just get down onto it and just metronomically Hoover on points. Gents, your nominations? Been quite enjoying watching Newell so far this this season. Mm -hmm. At least they've been better than they were last year, which was dreadful. It's a very low bar to climb, but as it is, they're actually quite good as well. Either that or River. I've had 
the free all against Defensa Justicia was a was a shakalaka, mm. and and against Vélez as well they played pretty well. You know, apart from the fact that the game was handed to them on a on a silver platter. I, I, I was going to say about balanced teams. I mean, playing well, but already uh, about from apart from well getting getting good results. San Lorenzo and. A team that I like how they play, but they don't get the results. It's a defensive justicia because I, I like the way they play, uh, uh, not depending on good players or players that uh, have the. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, against River they did a well, a well, uh, a good job, and they could have won that match or lost it. Mm. But uh, now against Racing as well, they yes. really deserve to win. I must admit. Uh, of course, if you don't take into account the, the, the results, because there is like a philosophical discussion mm. that, hey, but they don't win, and they, well, they lost. But you know we're going to be saying this in five games when uh, Holland gets a boot, right? He's going to go as, you know, as a Bielcita, as a, the beautiful football before, player who is now looking for a new before, job. Before, uh, uh, I forgot the surname of the co new coach for Vélez, uh, uh, De Felipe. De Felipe. Before De Felipe took uh, was announced as the new coach of Vélez, Holland was the one, uh, another one that uh -huh. could have. Mm. But he was, he said that he was a defense and he was so uh. comfortable. So, okay. uh, Liam Kelly, who's no relation to me, says this: there is an extra Argentine spot for next year's Libertadores, which there is. It was announced today. Um, Where's it coming from? For next year's Libertadores. Will it not be Atletico Tucumán? I saw something on Twitter about Atletico Tucumán Libertadores. Well, this is the question. So just let me finish down. Okay, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. Thank you. Um, for some reason, they're giving Brazil two extra spots as well. Yes. So Argentina's got six teams in next year's Libertadores. Obviously, in the, some of them are in the qualifying stages, so it's not necessarily more in the group stage. Um, and Brazil are going to have seven, yeah. which I don't think is entirely in keeping with Brazil's recent performances in the Libertadores. <laughs> no, but it is in keeping with the fact that Brazil is massive yes. and yes. has Market. a lot of money to put but, into yeah, watching TV football. money, precisely. Um, so Darren's question is, the extra Argentine spot for next year's Libertadores, do we know what the criteria is for it yet? To which the answer is, no, the AFA haven't made their minds up. But yeah. please tell us about what you read about Atletico Tucumán down on Twitter. I basically only saw a hashtag that was saying Atletico Tucumán Libertadores. And I assumed it had something to do with the extra spot and Atletico Tucumán either getting it or wanting it. Well, 2016 is, is the bicentenary of, uh, of Argentina, of course, and Tucumán is, is, was the first capital, right? So maybe it's that. Maybe no. they, they want to... No, first capital, no, it was where the, for the oh, Congress, sorry, but, yeah, where the the Congress of Tucumán... The Congress yeah. was sorry, exactly. something, yeah. Um, bit of Argentine history there for you, gents and ladies. Chris Hartley... Um, Oh, it's just replying to something from uh, Tony saying that Hunter Pod is a great listen. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, and Brett Elmer tweets in for our final question of the podcast, which is, what's up with Lanus? Are they regressing to the mean or is it something deeper? Regressing to the mean, I think. They lost a lot of very important players and now, you know, they had a very good season. Well, season, they sorry. had, what, 14 decent matches? Sorry, Phil. And now, yeah, they're back to normal. They'll, they'll probably have a decent season. They might yeah, finish 8th, exactly. 7th once they get over this hump. But it, it, they, let's they not pretend they were Real Madrid. Eat, Real so. Madrid, like, yeah, yeah, they got a title. Enjoy it while it lasts because in Argentine football, it tends not to last very long. I think it's fair to say they're still going to be sort of 
closer to the yeah, top yeah, of the table yeah. than the bottom at the end of it, so I wouldn't panic yeah. over it too much, basically. But um, yeah, cycles. If you watch Argentine football, or worse if you're a supporter of a team, you have to know that success is almost inevitably followed by disappointment because it's just so hard to sustain anything with so many players leaving coaches leaving coaches coming uh, the batters always staying of course they're pretty much the only constant in all of this yeah. Um, so yeah I mean you're never really going to get a dynasty of success like you might have in Europe we, we accept it you're going to have to too well they are the champions they are the news and it's difficult to keep a, a, a very very good performance for a long time Barcelona has lost 4-3 against Celta mm. that has the you have there the proof that it's very difficult to yeah. to maintain or to keep a very very high performance for a very long time there are no mystical predictions this week because there is no Primera football this week but as is traditional for international breaks we're going to ask or I'm going to ask Dan and Andres what they think the results are going to be in Argentina's upcoming two qualifiers, and I'm going to give my own predictions. First of all, just to be on the safe side, or rather on the fair side, I think that we're going to see a sort of narrowish, slightly scrappy win away to Peru, and then a... We're not going to do I'm going to go with an even narrower, even scrappier one at home to Paraguay. Yeah, let's do scores. Let's go for... Um, I'll go for 2-0 away to Peru, and 2-1 at home to Paraguay. Down. 2-1 away to Peru, 1-0 against Paraguay. Andres? 1-1 against Peru and 3-1 against Paraguay. The last of those predictions is the one to really pay attention to because that's an actual Argentine talking to your listeners, so that's, that's what they all think. Andres is entirely representative of 43 million people. Um, thank you very much for listening to us for another week. We'll join you, we'll be with you again uh, probably next, well... You'll be hearing us next Thursday, presumably, um, if you get in there on the day that I upload the podcast. We'll be recording, I assume, next Wednesday. Um, in the meantime, for an early week recording, it's been very congenial, gentlemen, so thank you very much. And it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And from Dan. Goodbye, and thank you very much. And from me, goodbye, and thank you. <laughs>